Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. All right, greetings and welcome to episode number 33 of Grow Bud Yourself. We've got a jam-packed show for you guys today. Uh, John and Megan from Sweet Leaf Nutrients are stopping by to talk nutrients, plant feeding, and nutrition. Uh, Cultivation segment features our strain of the fortnight, as well as eight things you need to do more often in the grow room and answers to grow questions from listeners like you. So stick around for episode number 33 of Grow Bud Yourself, sponsored by Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Diamond Cut Co. Trimming Scissors, and Excelsior Extracts THC-infused pain rub. All right, welcome back, and it is episode number 33. This is the Larry Bird episode of grow bud yourself and uh happy birthday to larry bird who just recently had a uh a birthday all right larry bird a great basketball player you know good in the clutch great in the clutch yeah just like us and uh and we are well he is uh danny danko i am mike g and of course uh, as he mentioned this is grow bud yourself welcome to episode 33 yes welcome and uh yeah a lot has happened since our last episode uh some big, big news uh, out of Washington. Oh, I thought you meant that we sent our first newsletter out. But okay. Oh, yeah. Well, which would you like to talk about first? Let's talk about the newsletter. I think that's pretty awesome. That's much more important. Yeah. Yes. Well, our first newsletter went out. And uh, so that's exciting. And of course, if you um, are listening and you would like to receive the newsletter, uh, you have to sign up for it. So go to our website, that's growbudyourself.com, and uh, you'll be able to sign up there. Uh, I think uh, Dan and I both also tweeted out a uh, subscription link, so you could sign up that way as well. Yes, and there's great information there. Uh, we, we feature a strain uh, in there. This one uh, was GG, no, GG4, which we talked about on the show. Uh, and, uh, there's beautiful pictures of that and, uh, you know, some news, a lot of great information. Yeah, no, it's definitely worth it, you know, and it costs you nothing. So go ahead and do that. Sign up for the newsletter, subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, you could, you know, get little bonus clips. If you're a member of Patreon, you can get, uh, exclusive bonus clips and all of our shows are also on YouTube. So you could listen to us there. Mm hmm. Yes. But, you know, looking at the stats, so many people listen to us on iTunes uh, podcasts. And I think uh, that's a great place where you can, you know, rate us, uh, comment on the show. If you want me to follow you on Instagram, that's a great place to put your Instagram handle on a great rating. Uh, I periodically go through there. If somebody puts their Insta, I will follow them as long as they're not, you know, douches or whatever. (laughs) As long as they're not going to, like, you know, hurt your cred. Right. Yeah, <laughs> my cred. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you're a minor cannabis celebrity. Come on. <laughs> yes, indeed. But um, yeah, so definitely it helps us. I think if you if you do rate us on iTunes, so we would appreciate that. Assuming it's a good rating. If it's not, just keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you listening for? Jerks. <laughs> but as Dad mentioned, uh, there there is some big news. Uh, the Moore Act uh, passed in Congress, and of course uh, that. That, that stands for Marijuana Opportunity, Reinvestment, and Expungement. 
And the reason this is pretty amazing is uh, it, it's the first time that Congress has has acted at all on cannabis since 1937, the, the Marijuana Tax Act, and it passed uh, the House. So that's great. And now it's coming. It's going to come up for a vote in the Senate. And I, I guess a couple of months ago, we would we would just consider that an absolute dead end. But with this runoff election that's happening for the Senate in Georgia, January 5th, uh, there is a chance the Democrats take control of the Senate, which would mean that we could have <laughs> cannabis legalized federally. And it all hinges on Georgia. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I'm actually surprised there's not more uh, Republican senators willing to vote for this. I don't, I, this is not a partisan issue. It shouldn't be separated between Democrats and Republicans. And I think it's a shame that it has been somehow politicized because it benefits red states, it benefits blue states, it benefits Democrats and Republicans. It, it's great for the banking system. Uh, it's the first national recognition. And, you know, the problem here also is, you know, if that doesn't happen, what you're saying in the Senate, and it never gets voted on because it doesn't get brought to the to vote by Mitch McConnell, who con would then control the Senate, uh, you know, it's kind of misleading some of these uh, headlines that have been out saying basically that Congress voted to legalize. Technically, you know, the House voted for for it, but it still has to go to the Senate and be approved by the president. And, you know, without a drastic change in the Senate and in the presidency, basically, uh, it, it, it's going to languish and it's not going to pass through the Senate. So, uh, you know, uh, to your point, it pretty much went along party lines in the House, which is controlled by the Democrats now. However, there were there several were. Republicans that voted in favor of it. And actually, there were a couple of Democrats that voted against it. Indeed, indeed, which shows you kind of uh, something interesting about, you know, the political spectrum. But what I mean to say is that some some of the, uh, you know, in some of the articles and some of the, the posts that people had basically said that cannabis was legalized. <laughs> uh, you know, federally or something. A little premature. And so it was a bit, you know, too, it was a bit premature. What happened was it was the first time that, you know, it was voted on federally in a positive manner to basically allow us to bank and have an industry uh, on a federal level, which is a huge thing. And again, if Georgia does, you know, go Democrat and uh, in those two seats and, you know, Democrats gain the Senate and vote for the Moore Act and the President Biden signs it into law it's it will be then legal but both yeah, of those essentially things... it'll be left up to the states to decide if they want you know legal cannabis but the government would just be getting the hell out of the way the federal government essentially Sounds good to so, me but... a huge step in the right direction oh yeah a huge thing happening you know some possibly a huge symbolic victory and possibly a really huge future victory mm -hmm. um in store for us. So we'll see where that goes. There's, there's plenty of Republican support uh, for legalization. So it really shouldn't be an issue. The, the, the one other thing that kind of came out of this is the budget office for Congress uh, was able to come up with a, um, a financial impact assessment of what this would create for the, uh, for the country if it were to pass. So we've never really had this before at a federal level. But because uh, one chamber of Congress passed a bill, uh, the budget office is then allowed to look at the financial impact. And what they came up with is the government would take in about $13.7 billion in net revenue 
over the next decade were this bill to pass the Senate and uh, be signed into law by Biden. Amazing. And, you know, to me, that sounds like a lowball number, but to anyone listening that, you know, is on the fence about legalization, it should it should be quite eye opening and jarring to hear, you know, the billion number just thrown around like that. Um, you're talking about, you know, there's not that not that many huge billion dollar industries <laughs> in cannabis. And considering how cash strapped everyone is with the covid fallout and everything else, that is a talking point, I think, that that. Uh, politicians will be able to use to advance the case perhaps uh, but yeah nearly 14 billion dollars that's a big number right so you know definitely a historic uh victory and a symbolic victory but let's make it a real victory if we can you know let's really get it passed through the senate and and signed by the president and into law real law it's up to you georgia yes <laughs> absolutely so yeah, that's uh, that was the big thing that happened in the uh, in cannabis news since our last show. We got a couple of emails uh, asking us to to address it. So there you have it. Um, but we also have a very exciting interview coming up with uh, with one of our sponsors. Sweetleaf is on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. John, uh, old friend of mine for many years, and uh, Megan from Sweetleaf Nutrients are here to talk about uh, how to feed your plants, uh, nutritional deficiencies. And much more. So stick around for John and Megan from Sweet Leaf Nutrients. We will be back with more after this. Hey, you guys, this episode is brought to you by Excelsior Extracts and their incredible THC infused relief rub. Uh, and now this stuff really works. And uh, I know it works because it's made by our friend Outcast, and she needs very, very strong topicals. Uh, so the Relief Rub is the strongest topical I've ever tried. Check them out on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts, all one word. Uh, DM them for info on the Relief Rub if you're interested, and uh, give them a follow. Uh, they're great people, and they grow great cannabis and make great products. So thank you to Excelsior Extracts. Now back to the show. All right, we are back and uh, it is such a pleasure to have as our guests, uh, John and Megan from Sweet Leaf Nutrients. Welcome, John and Megan. Hello. Hey, thanks for having us. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And full disclosure, uh, I've known John for, I don't know, close to 40 years or something at this point. Forever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. At least 30, I would say. So uh, we've been friends a long time. Uh, John actually likes to say that I was the first person he ever saw smoking a joint, I think. Right? Right. So, <laughs> that is true uh, story. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, definitely learned a lot. Uh, about entrepreneurship and uh, the music business and all kinds of uh, stuff from John. And uh, John and Megan are here from Sweet Leaf Nutrients. So uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, what got you interested in being in the nutrient business? Yeah, thanks, man. Um, in all honesty, Danny, you were the influence. <laughs> you know, you, you got me really interested in the cannabis industry side, you know, I mean, in the nineties, you and I were running around, you know, on the retail side, you know, and, and like, that was my only experience. And then 
I, I think that my very first experience growing was with you, um, with the, with the white widow strain in the late nineties in Brooklyn. Um, you know, that was a, that was quite a time. Um, but you know, really it's, I, I think it really started as activism, you know, because cannabis at the time in the early nineties, you know, when you and I were coming up was such a stigma. And I remember the first hemp rallies and going, collecting signatures and, and going with mass cam with you. And, you know, you were really my biggest influence, man, on, on getting into the industry, really. I mean, and just the whole, the whole activism of cannabis, you know, beyond just the, you know, the, the retail side. And I think as we, as I started getting older, and working in corporate America and stuff and, and realizing that my real passion was cannabis and the healing power of that plant. So sometime around 2010 or 11, I started, you know, going to cannabis cups and showing up at, at your panels, you know, and just taking notes, sitting, sitting down and listening for several years, I think it was like 2010 to 2015. I think I must have gone to what, like a dozen cannabis cups and all over the world and different trade shows and trying to figure out what exactly I wanted to do with cannabis. And I remember initially talking to you about it and I was like, oh, I want to do edibles. And it was such a crowded market, you know. Um, and then I started revisiting growing again. You know, for the first time in, I mean, probably 15, 12, you know, 13, 15 years, I hadn't put a, a clone in a, in a pot, you know. So I, I really took to the growing side of it almost immediately when I started revisiting it, you know. And so from 2015 on, I just started focusing on what we could provide cannabis growers that's different than everybody else. And, you know, nutrients is very competitive. So it, it's kind of an, a crazy thing to do. Um, it's really expensive to operate. Um, but at the end of the day, I quit a job I could have retired at for this. You know, I was very comfortable making a lot of money and I, I didn't care anymore. It was more, I felt like something was missing from my soul and the plant really provided some solace for me. You know how it is when you're, when you're in, when you're in your grow, you know, it's like for me, all negative thoughts are gone when I'm trimming, when I'm pruning, when I'm training, when I'm feeding plants, you know, it, it really soothes me. And part of that is, I'm also an environmentalist, right? And I wanted to make something that wasn't super chemi. And we just decided on fertilizer. And I, I know that what I make is mined anyway. But if, if I can find something that is um, responsibly sourced, and I think Megan and I found that with this new line. And you know, now we're on our second fertilizer line. And this one is, is knocks it out the park and we're really excited about it. So that's, that's how I got into it. And then really 
again, just go, listening and learning a lot, going to panels and, and listening to panels and talking to people like you. And you, you introduced me to everybody. I mean, everyone from DJ Shot to, you know, uh, Big Buddha Cheese. You know, I, I met some of the greatest people through <laughs> you. And these are the guys that I, you know, you and I grew up with very limited strengths, right? And so to meet those legends, I just feel so, uh, so blessed, you know, that, that, that you did that for me, man. I, I, thank I appreciate you. it. Uh, one of the things that drew me to the, uh, the original, you know, the legacy line, uh, the first uh, batch of nutrients that you put out um, was the fact that, you know, the, the feeding charts weren't like way off. You know, most companies in fertilizer will recommend more fertilizer than necessary because, you know, they just want you to get through the bottle and they know it's not going to kill your plants. But you do wind up overfeeding plants, which is my big thing is, you know, so many, most cannabis is overfed. Um, and I think that, you know, it was interesting to see that, you know, there was just more more honesty on the label there. And that was organic and synthetic. But um, tell me about this new line, because this is brand new. I mean, this just debuted. Um, yeah. and maybe, maybe Megan, tell me a little bit about... Um, you know, developing this new uh, organic line. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So the main focus on this one is we really wanted to concentrate on something that was more organic. And that's kind of what we took to the next level. Our other products were uh, organic, but we did have some synthetic. So we wanted to keep a more focus on kind of preserving soil health as opposed to kind of taking it away and kind of replacing it, which is kind of what the last line did. Now, um, some of these are powdered, some of these are liquid. Um, can you kind of take me through a little bit of, uh, you know, what's, what these new newts do? Absolutely. You know, right now, what's really exciting about this is it's, it's eight different bottles, six liquid, and for the first time, we have a dry crumble and a powdered fertilizer as well, um, which is really exciting. And um, the Ultimate Humates and the Grow Excel are our first non-liquid um, uh, fertilizer and amendments. And also, it's a cheaper line. It's, it's a few dollars cheaper a bottle uh, because the sourcing is a lot cheaper for us. And we, you know, we spent a whole year sourcing this line and getting it perfect. Um, and the whole point of, this, of the liquid um, and the powdered uh, Ultimate Humates is to break down the dry crumbles. So the dry crumbles is like the, the base, you know, it's your uh, 6101. And it's really a four-part system. So it's the Grow Excel, Ultimate Humates, the Magic Microbes, and the Ultramag, which is a 1% uh, magnesium. Um, we really doubled down on, on humic acid and fulvic acid and, and, and the differences between that. You know, you have a seaweed amendment, uh, you have the fulvic amendments and, uh, you know, the magnesium, uh, all, all things that, you know, focus also on, you know, micronutrients and what's mm -hmm. necessary in small amounts. And I think, you know, that's important because it seems like, you know, a lot of lines are, are really NPK focused uh, and not so much, you know, interested in, in, in the the other elements that are very necessary and important. Um, That's right. Now you guys recently uh, relocated to Maine. Tell me a little bit about uh, the Maine lifestyle. The, uh, the cannabis scene is pretty amazing up there, correct? 
Yeah, it's really exploding. And yesterday, there was an article that said um, cannabis has now overtaken potatoes as the largest ag crop in Maine. Don't quote me on the number, but I think it was 221 million last month in sales. And that may not seem like a lot because we, you know, we spent a couple of years in Vegas and Vegas was doing, you know, crazy numbers, right? But Maine's got a very small population. Mm -hmm. So to do those numbers in Maine is really incredible. And one of the things that we noticed about Maine, Megan and I went to a, um, a, a, a trade show in Maine with the Excelsior Extracts uh, crew with Tom and Elaine. And there's a lot of fantastic growers up here. And it's something that I, I feel like has been pretty quiet, you know, like, you don't you don't really think of Maine uh, as a cannabis hub. And, and lately, the past two years since, since we've been here, we, we've seen some pretty amazing, pretty amazing growth. And um, so, yeah, we, we moved here in 2018 in December. So it's been two years now. And we just moved into our warehouse on the Maine, New Hampshire border three weeks ago. But uh, we're, we're, we've adjusted finally to the lifestyle and we, we love it now. It's, it's really become something um, every, every couple of weeks, you just notice something really amazing happening in Maine. And, and cannabis has really taken off here big time. Yeah. What are some of the big strains or one of the strains you, you guys have been enjoying up in uh, the Maine region? Megan likes, uh, what's the uh, Blissful Wizard? She loves yeah, Blissful Wizard. That one's probably my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> blissful wizard nice skittles made its way out here believe it or not uh, mandarin skittles what else uh we've seen a lot of headband recently too we so did it's been making its way around yeah you know i remember uh, a strain called mob or mother of berries they call it yes. that's a big one up there yeah it's still around too Nice, nice. I find that, you know, in places like Maine, where, you know, there's been a farming tradition and, you know, sort of a rural, uh, you know, attitude, you end up with with cannabis that's grown cleaner and in the sunshine, totally. uh, in in healthy soil. It just winds up being far, far more superior than something, let's say, in Vegas that's grown in a factory. You know, interesting about... Um you know, the East Coast and the West Coast growing. I, I love that conversation because it's so different, you know? Uh, like you were saying, out in the West Coast, especially in the Southwest and, um, you know, closer, the closer you get to Mexico, you know, as dry as it is, right? And we found that so many people were using DWC, Rockwool, Soilus, and ultra chemi newts, you know? Um, and we, the first six months I was out there, I was like, why is that so prevalent? And the obvious reason, you know, started to come out, which was your environment, right? There's no humidity. Um, there's, uh, people need to turn and burn out there, right? Because some of these properties are 50,000 square foot um, cultivations and it's easier for uniformity, you know, when it, when it comes to, to, 
to, to managing a crop. But with the East Coast, you know, it's a lot more soil. Um, there's soil cocoa mixes, yeah, soil cocoa perlite, you know, 70-30 mixes. And I feel like because the industry hadn't come out here yet and people ha- aren't used to these massive spaces, I mean, the average space we would go into um, was 20,000 square feet in Las Vegas. Out here, they're like 1,500 square feet, 2,500 square feet, and they're packed, right? Um, but the growth styles are so different. Out here, I find that people are doing the longer veg time. You know, the, they're growing the, the roots a lot longer. They'll turn into these massive trees, um, you know, scrog the hell out of them, and you get as much weight as you can on, on, on each plant. Whereas out west, there's more sea of green. There's more, um, you know, uh, like I said, uh, soilless mixes for, for grow media. And it's just a different style, you know. And, and, and what that turns into is different strains, right? Because you can't always grow the same strain in, in the desert that you can grow out here, which the past few years I'm really starting to understand a lot, a lot more is that strain specific growing is really something that we're focusing on at Sweetleaf too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it's, it is very important, you know, to match the strain to, you know, your location and environment and what you're looking to get out of it. Absolutely. Now, uh, strain specific also has to do with newts uh, because certain strains are, are heavier feeders than than others. So you really have to also dial in your nutrient regimen to be strain specific as well. But what about for the beginner grower who's you know just getting started and they don't even know really how to mix nutrients, how to you know what to, where to begin basically t- to actually feeding their plants. So uh, maybe take me through what it what it you know, what the process is from, from plain water to actually mm-hmm. pouring that onto your soil mix or whatever you might have as a medium. So um, one of the things that we, Megan and I like to tell people during the, during the day on live chat, especially because we have a lot of newbies, right? And we focus on new growers. And the idea is to be there for their journey, right? Throughout their, their grow journey. And some folks, when they get their fertilizer, they think, oh, I'm just going to mix it and put it all together and then add the water. And that is a big no-no. And one of the main things that we like to teach over and over is you got to mix it with water. And if you look at our new feed chart, we put it very specific um, by product. We start with ultimate fulvic. You know, we start with um, the liquids first, and we work our way down into the into the the dry and to the uh, dry crumbles and powdered uh, fertilizer. And the main thing is to for, let, let's say you're you've just got a couple plants at home, and what we like to say is get a a gallon jug and just cut a little bit out up the top so you can fit your pH meter in there. Um, but it's always good to fill your, your gallon jug halfway and then add each 
nutrient and then mix that nutrient and then add the next one. Do you know what I mean? And we start with the, the fulvic, the ultimate fulvic. So we also made it easier this time with the feed chart because we were doing MLs and we feel like that's, it's kind of a pain in the ass for everybody because not everyone has um, a pipette or they have an ML <clears throat> mixer. So we figured teaspoon and tablespoon is just a lot, is, is more pedestrian and a lot easier to use. Um, so if you look at feed chart, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, is we like to do less is more, right? Um, and we, we chose this line specifically so that your bottles are going to last a lot longer. So the, 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 the best thing to do, um, I just keep saying everybody is um, make sure you start with water for the liquid. Because what will happen is if you add all the nutrients together, they're going to chalk up and become completely ineffective. Yes, very important. And then also if you're going to be doing uh, any sort of pH uh, testing, you do that after adding those as well uh, and, and adjust after. Um, and this works with hydroponics or with uh, soil mixes? So we recommend all the liquid can be used in everything. Um, soil, soilless, you know, cocoa, hydroponics. Um, and if you're a skilled hydroponic grower, um, you, can, you can work your way and, 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 and have this fit into your program, no problem. But if you're a beginner, we, don't, we do not recommend using this with hydroponics because, I mean, dry crumbles, that's, that's not very easy to, to work with in, in systems, right? Um, but the ultimate humates powder does dissolve very quickly. Um, so we, we, we stress that this line is really a very effective soil, uh, cocoa and, uh, line predominantly. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you also mentioned that you guys, uh, do the chats because that's incredible customer service where, you know, if people are having an issue or, or a question, uh, they can pretty much go on the Sweet Leaf website and chat live. Yep. That's and all, Megan. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, Matt, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about some common deficiencies as well uh, and uh, how to treat them. I mean, the big one most people talk about is CalMag, obviously. That's yep. the cliche. Uh, and you guys actually were well known for the CalMag in the Legacy line. Mm -hmm. um, now, what would you recommend uh, from the new line uh, if someone was suffering from that type of deficiency? So um, we've got two magnesium uh, products. We've got the Ultramag 1% and we've got the Magnitude 4%. Um, they work best together with the whole line, um, but you can use those on their own to help treat deficient soils and help treat deficient plants. Um, you don't need a lot of it. You know, as we mentioned earlier, the feed chart is between, you know, a quarter of a teaspoon up to one teaspoon, um, per gallon of water. And we have folks that use it on hectare farming, right? So it's indoor, outdoor. That's another thing to remember is it's, this works great indoors and outdoors, um, which we're excited about. We really wanted to expand our reach into greenhouses and outdoor market. Um, this, this works fantastic indoors too, but 
we really wanted to um, capitalize on on that on the burgeoning greenhouse and light depth and and uh, outdoor grower, which is really you know, if you remember the, the legacy line was very um, focused on indoor. You know, even though there's a lot of people using the organic um, amendments outdoors, um, but this one is 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 really great for for hemp as well as um, THC cannabis. Yeah. And that's important too, for the, for the outdoor hemp farmers. Yep. Uh, tell me about magic microbes. This is a vegan product. Uh, and, and it, why, why is bacteria or why are microbes so important and, and how, uh, how are they delivered? Well, because uh, most of our nutrients are in our base, so I do like to mention that our base also has 10% of calcium. So instead of using our traditional CalMag product and just kind of treating that deficiency, what we did is we included the calcium and then magnesium just being the supplement. That way it's more preventative measures. That way you're not likely to interfere with your fruiting slash flowering part of your process. So, and that's kind of why we went so heavy when it comes to our humic and our fulvic products. So our magic microbes are actually suspended in humates as well. We use humates in whole line, actually. So the reason that there are is because we want a soil balance and we want to encourage um, bacterial and fungi activity in the soil. And part of that is microbes. Bacillus being our most common type and being but usually is for nutrient uptake and digestion. So what it does, it's actually our line is tailored to break down the crumbles, which provide bulk nutrients, again, over time and quickly based in our mix. And the process is, is to keep breaking down all of those nutrients to make them bioavailable during the process. So that's why we have you just lightly watering and feeding throughout the process to make sure everything is broken down at the same time periods. Excellent. And if someone's uh, sort of di- diagnosed a uh, nitrogen deficiency, let's say their leaves are starting to yellow a bit uh, and fade a bit, and they've determined that it's because of uh, nitrogen defici- deficiency, how would they treat that using uh, this line? So it depends on how they're getting their deficiency. Um, It depends if it's like a newt lockout or it kind of depends on what they're feeding the plant and maybe they're just not giving it what it quite needs. So I would say based if a nutrient lockout situation, meaning that there is nitrogen in the soil or your grow medium, depending on what you're doing. What you want to do is you probably want to do a flush with humic acid and then maybe as well with magic microbes. So what that does, the process of humic acid actually is that it's not plant food. It's actually for your soil. So humic acid is actually not bioavailable to a plant. What it does is it actually something called the cation and anion exchange in soil is what it makes. And it actually alters and cleanses and creates a balancing act. So it actually will flush nutrients or they'll make it more for um, more bioavailable depending on what the situation is. Now, again, if you're just not providing enough nitrogen and it's simply you have maybe just a heavy feeding plant, what you can just do is you can just add some grow crumbles when you're transplanting or you can just do it as a top dress and then you just need to do a light watering. Perfect. Perfect. And it'll green right back up. Yep. Yeah. That's great. So yeah, we should mention, you know, before you choose to diagnose a deficiency, you should definitely check the pH um, because you could be locking out nutrients that are there. 
Uh, and that's what Megan mentioned with the, the flushing with the humates. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned the cation exchange as well, because I don't think a lot of growers really understand that. It took me a while to really kind of wrap my head around um, how, how electricity plays a role. You know what I mean? And uh, But it really does. And it really mm-hmm. has to do with how much um, roots are able to take in. And, and you know, it's it's pivotal to plant growth. And that ratio is important to develop and, uh, you know, to maintain in order for, to have plant health. So, yeah. Um, I wanted to also just get a little bit of, uh, you know, personal take uh, from you guys on, you know, living in Maine and starting up this brand and, and doing what you're doing and kind of what it means to you. Cool. That's a good question. You know, it's, it's really evolved. What it meant to me four years ago is still the same thing, right? It's this plant is so incredible. There's tens of millions of people that consume it somehow in, 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 in any different form, right? Um, and it really has changed my life the past several, de- you know, two, two, two to three decades, <laughs> aging myself. Um, and I, I, that is the driving force be- behind what we do is the plant itself and plants in general, food sourcing. Um, but now after four years in the business, the business is maturing the industry itself. It was very difficult in the beginning. Um, a lot of cowboys, you know, um, there's a lot of folks that came out of MBA, uh, courses that thought they were going to be, you know, millionaires right away. A lot of fast talkers, the first, you know, in 2015 and 16 and 17. And I feel like that's starting to dissipate, which is great. Um, Megan and I can now be more selective with who we choose to work with, um, from manufacturing to, to sales, you know, um, so that's great. The brands allowed us to, to do that. Um, but really for, for us, it's freedom. Uh, you know, it, it, it gives us the ability to create and make new products based on our interests, right? Um, which, I, which I mentioned earlier, Meg and I are, have a growing interest, no pun intended, in more outdoor hemp farming, hectare farming, greenhouse farming. You know, we're, we're, we, we've spent, you know, four years in hydroponics and indoor. And now we, we, we want to have a more well-rounded business. So I think for me, um, I'll let Megan speak on what it means for her, but, but for, for me, it's a continuation of the business, right? It, it, it's a continuation of supporting the, the, the cannabis plant with good food. And, um, I'm, I'm just thankful that I can do this every day, but that's what it means to me. I mean, Megan, what are your thoughts? Um, so I guess mine's not as special. I guess I just like really good weed and I guess being a, a, a positive agent of change 
I would say, whether that's improving your grow or just making things easier for people. Competition in markets always benefits the end consumer. And whether if that us releasing a veganic line and or more organic products, I hope that kind of creates more competition for more earth-friendly, environmentally sustainable um, cannabis practices. So whether it's for like growing good bud or just kind of changing the market itself and kind of promoting something that's more sustainable or just kind of educating consumers in general. I think that's kind of what I like getting out of it most. Awesome. For sure. And uh, we should, we mentioned sweetleaf.com and that's where people can find the nutrients, the feed charts, uh, other products that you guys sell as well. People can buy a complete uh, home grow tent package too. Yep. Uh, different tents and kits that come with everything you need uh, and then get the nutrients and uh, all you really need at that point is some genetics and you can be growing uh, from that one particular site, sweetleaf.com. And it's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F. You got it. We should mention also there's a Danko code, Danko15 for 15% off. (laughs) That's right. Um, Definitely use that if you buy stuff uh, when you get your newts, tent, uh, they have LED lights, uh, all kinds of grow equipment, actually, and, and even uh, storage bags and uh, duffel bags that are scent proof and smell proof, which is great. Yeah. And, and that Danko 15 code is, is special because we don't give out anything over a 10 percent code. So um, folks use Danko 15 off 15 percent off your entire order on anything on the website. And uh, you also have social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, we got um, our Instagram is Sweetleaf Nutrients. Our Twitter is Sweetleaf. And our Facebook is Sweetleaf Organics. Um, again, S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F. Um, so, yeah, come, come uh, check us out. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate you guys coming on the show, uh, talking about the newts and uh, your lives and everything (laughs) cannabis related. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we really appreciate you guys as a sponsor and as friends and as, you know, thoughtful cannabis plant food creators. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. Yeah. Everybody check out, uh, sweetleaf.com go on the site and chat with them if you have any questions about the newts and grab that fertilizer starter kit see what happens absolutely you're gonna love it chance you're gonna love it and i think uh we're gonna make some believers out of some people here john and megan so thank you (laughs) thank you so much thanks guys All right, welcome back, and thank you to our friends from Sweetleaf for illuminating us about uh, nutrients and how they work and why they're important. Yeah, that was a great interview. It was awesome to have them on the show. It's great having them as a sponsor again, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that, of course, brings us to uh, the cultivation segment, and our cultivation segment is sponsored by Diamond Cut Co. Diamond Cut Co. Amazing trimming scissors that uh, there's five different options available. I recommend getting all five because, you know, you have different reasons for using different trimmers and, and snips and scissors. Everyone knows that hand-trimmed cannabis is better 
than machine trimmed cannabis. I think if you're an aficionado, a connoisseur, a medical patient, any home grower knows you got to trim it yourself and you need the proper tools. And these are stainless steel. These are incredible tools. They're made by growers for growers. And uh, I just can't say enough about it. Diamond Cut Co. are incredible products. And there's really not anything out there that really competes with them. And we have a code for them too, right, Mike? Yeah, we do. It is Danko20 for 20% off your entire order over at diamondcutco.com. Yes, absolutely. Check them out. They're on our social media. They're on our website. And they're here supporting us and all the home growers out there because they are growers themselves. Check out Diamond Cut Co. They are awesome. And we really appreciate having them as a sponsor. Uh, it's a product we believe in. And uh, Diamond Cut Co. Check them out. Absolutely. So uh, here we find ourselves in the cultivation segment sponsored by Diamond Cut. And uh, it has been a period of two weeks, which of course on this show means that it is time for Strain of the Fortnite. What do you have for us? Strain of the Fortnite. This Fortnite, the strain is Critical Plus 2.0. This is a strain from Dynafem Seeds. These are our friends in Spain uh, who have been developing some amazing genetics and have actually recently had some pretty messed up, uh, you know, political and, uh, you know, law enforcement kind of situations going on. So I want to shout out my friends um, at dynafem.org. Uh, it is spelled D-I-N-A-F-E-M.org uh, if you want to find out more information. Uh, but Critical Plus um, 2.0 is an improvement on the original Critical Plus strain, um, which is huge in Europe, uh, especially in Spain, but all throughout. Um, it's indica dominant, 70 to 30 indica sativa. Um, THC levels kind of hover around 20% or so, uh, anywhere between 17 and 22, uh, very, very little CBD. Um, this one's good for indoors or outdoors. It's a really pretty plant, uh, light green leaves, tall, slim body, uh, gets pretty tall. Like I said, uh, even for an indica, it really does kind of stretch a bit, um, but yields really well. Um, I think one of the reasons people love the original critical is is definitely yield. Um, but also, you know, the sensation, uh, the aroma, the flavor, the effect. So as for yield, um, definitely, you know, this is a huge commercial strain, uh, you know, with lots of possibilities for people that are scaled up and growing in large, uh, you know, large type situations. Um, as for, you know, the flavor and the aroma, um, critical plus is, you know, it's not known as a super fragrant strain. I mean, and there's lemon pine, um, kind of a lot of spiciness to it. Uh, the dry hits are a little bit like anise, uh, um, which is kind of licorice, uh, taste. Um, as far as the high, uh, the effect, it's very physical, uh, more so than cerebral, um, very soothing and restful. So people that have, uh, you know, issues sleeping, insomnia, um, you know, uh, muscles, muscle pain and, uh, things like that. Uh, it'll work really good. It'll basically knock you out. Um, you know, that's where the indica dominance comes into effect and becomes evident, you know? So as for growers, uh, it's very vigorous growth rate, uh, resistance to powdery mildew and moisture, which makes it very wonderful for people 
in climates where that's an issue. Uh, so inexperienced growers will definitely benefit from this plant. Flowers very fast, you know, 45 to 50 days indoors. Uh, by the end of September, outdoors in most areas uh, in the U.S. for sure. Quality of the end product is amazing. And uh, you're going to need filtration, I think, when you're growing it indoors. They have options where you can get this feminized, you can get it autoflower, and you can have it with high CBD as well. Um, but that version is their original critical. So it's just critical plus autoflowering CBD if that's what you're looking for. Uh, seeds are available at dynafem.org, Critical Plus 2.0, a huge strain in Europe, not quite as popular in the US, but that is going to change when people start growing it out a little more often. So check them out at dynafem.org. All right. Strain of the Fortnite. Thank you for that. And uh, our listeners are aware that each week, Dan likes to talk about a grow topic that will help you become a better grower. So what would you like to cover this week? This week, I am talking about eight things you need to do more often in the grow room, or you probably need to do more often because some of you guys might be doing these things, but eight things most people need to do more often when they're growing. So let's go through some of these things. And, you know, I'm uh, a victim or a culprit, I guess, or whatever, a, a you're guilty of, of not I'm doing guilty some of, of these not things. doing some of these things as well. And uh, you know, these are just basically regular things that you need to do uh, throughout the year or even once a year, once every six months. But certainly most people neglect to do these things as often as they should. So one of them is to change your grow bulbs. Um, you know they have a, they don't have a super long shelf life uh, and when you're using them, you know, after a year or so, you know, six months to a year or so, they start to degrade. And that's going to cost you a certain percentage of your yield, you know, your ultimate harvest. So uh, you need to change your bulbs pretty often, I would say every year or so. I mean, some people will tell you six months. If you're buying cheap bulbs, maybe that's the case. But for most bulbs, I would say a year. Uh, secondly, change your filters or clean your filters the charcoal filters need replacement activated charcoal eventually goes bad not bad but it eventually stops working so you need to replace your charcoal filters you need to clean out um, any pre-filters that you have coming into the space they're going to get all kinds of you know hair and, and dust and things uh, on them so clean and replace uh, your filters so third uh, replace the sensors. So every one of your meters has sensors uh, that eventually degrade. You want to replace those after a period of time. I would give them a year at least, maybe in some cases two years if you're spending decent money on sensors. Um, the fourth thing I would say is also to calibrate your meters. So if you have a pH meter or a PPM meter, uh, you need to calibrate it. And that means getting calibrating solutions. So you get the pH that's like, you know, 4.0 and you get the pH that's like 10.0 or whatever. And you use those to make sure that your uh, meters are working properly. And in that way, you know, you're not going to be off by so much. And if you are off by a lot, it really turns into a really big deal. So remember to calibrate your meters and you do this for pH meters and parts per million meters. And you need to do that probably, you know, realistically every three or four months or so 
just to make sure you're within the proper parameters. Uh, fifthly, water with plain water. You know, a lot of people feel like they need to use nutrient every time they water, and you really don't. So quite often, you can just use plain water. A lot of that nutrient is still in there. You're moving it around when you add water, and you're flushing it out also, so it's helping you not to have too much buildup. So, you know, that's another thing you should do more often is just use plain water. Remember to, you know, that's pH balanced water. You don't want it to be too cold or too hot. You don't want to shock the roots, but just give your plants plain water. They love it. Uh, let's see here. Sixthly, is that a word? Sixthly? Uh, I don't think so. Pentagramically. Sixth of all. Sixth of all. Uh, replace your timers. Okay. These are, you know, the timers that you plug into the wall that uh, power your lights. Most people use pretty cheap timers. You can upgrade them, you can replace them, but I would say every year or two, you're gonna wanna replace them. If they're cheap and crappy, they're gonna time out on you at some point and that can really cost you. Um, let's see, number seven, clean the floor and walls of your grow room. This I can't overemphasize enough and this should happen way more often than it does, but there should not be puddles on the floor, there should not be dead leaves on the floor, there really shouldn't be anything, you know, you want a lab-like environment. So uh, clean the floors, clean the walls, clean the ceiling, you know, uh, it, keep it clean. It's important. And then eighth thing you need to do more often, try something new, you know, experiment with one plant in the corner and uh, experiment, experiment with a different nutrient uh, technique, a larger container, whatever it might be, whatever you've heard about, maybe on a podcast, maybe in uh, Northeast Leaf magazine, maybe uh, in a newsletter that you got from a podcast, wherever you might have heard, uh, try something new. That's the eighth thing you need, to, you need to do more often in your grow room. Okay, good advice. Uh, it's uh, pretty reasonable. Everyone should be able to follow those rules. And, uh, you know, growing is, of course, hard work. But if you put in the time and you do it right, you're going to be rewarded with great pot. So thank you for that. Yeah, and trying the new thing, like, you know, be reasonable about it. Don't try everything you read about on the internet. But if there's something that can raise your yield by even 5% or raise the quality of your cannabis by 5%, it's worth trying, uh, building upon, and tweaking. So be curious and try new things. Yes, you should at least be open to it. You might find a technique that really works for you. Um, so thank you for that grow tip. Okay, so um, at this point in the show, uh, we answer some questions from our listeners. And you uh, could also get in touch with us if you have a question that you'd like Dan to answer on the show. Uh, the easiest way is email. Uh, that is info at growbudyourself.com. You could also go to our website, growbudyourself.com. I suggest you do that anyway. But lots of ways to get in touch with us there. Send us your question. We'll do our best to answer it here. What do you say we dive right in? Let's do it. <laughs> All right. I like, it. <laughs> like the enthusiasm. Yeah. Uh, let's start off with that bloke who writes, Hi, Danny and Mike. I was looking forward to my second grow when the weather turned cold and my plants did not react well. I gave up on them and turned the lights off. Five days later, I went back to sort my tent out and start again to my astonishment they had been growing in the dark for five days. Should I keep, uh, should I scrap them as they will be troublesome and unhealthy, or should I turn the lights back on and persevere? If I do start again, can you please give advice on the best way to keep a loft tent warm when the outside temp is below five Celsius? 
Uh, one of my concerns is putting heaters into my tent, as I'm concerned about the fire risks. Uh, thanks for keeping it real. So, keeping in mind that uh, 5 degrees Celsius is about 40 degrees Fahrenheit, what would you say to that bloke? That bloke? Um, I'm just going to assume that you're from the United Kingdom and also assume that you're also a fan of football. <laughs> or as we stupidly call it here, soccer. Mm. Uh, and also that you're aware of my god Messi's loss to Juventus against Cristiano Ronaldo. What is happening? My- we're talking soccer, Mike. Oh, oh. Yeah. No, no it's not New York Jets, okay? Mm. How, what's the record? What's the record? Uh, zero and 12, I believe. Zero and 12. In, in English, I guess, in American, that means they've played 12 games uh-huh. and lost 12 games. Yes, okay? but, but... But in the uh, King's English, okay. Yeah. The proper might... pronunciation of mm-hmm. American, you know, soccer is football. Yeah. We might and win the draft is what I wanted to say. But anyway, what, what would you say to that bloke about his grow question? Yes. I'm still in mourning about that loss, but anyways, I'm just assuming that because I can't talk soccer with you, I could talk soccer with that bloke. Anyway, don't you mean uh, the, yes, football. We call it football in Europe, Mike. Anyway, the plants, I mean, five days in the cold, the plants kept growing. They're still alive. As long as they're not showing tremendous signs of distress keep them growing and as far as using heaters in your tent uh you know there's heaters that are very safe and you just spend a little extra money and that way you can mitigate the fire risk and you can have a heater in there you really don't need to raise the heat that much if 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 we're talking 40 degrees get it up to 65 at night you know, don't be too worried about keeping a loft tent warm with a heater as long as you have a heater uh, that won't start a fire. And certainly don't use a cheap heater. But, um, you know, think about something that will just raise the heat a little bit. It doesn't really have to be, uh, you know, up in the 70s or whatever. It could be 65 at night, and that's, that's a, that won't hurt your plants. And it's not that many degrees hotter than where you've already got it. And even if you get it up in this low 60s you'll be better off all right very good uh we hope that helps you out that bloke uh keep us uh posted on your grow and uh let's move on to timmy who writes how's it going i'm enjoying the pod and finding the books very helpful Uh, i'm living in northeast florida and i want to do an outdoor grow but due to high humidity i'm worried about bud rot is there a particular strain that you would suggest for this area Another concern is when it comes to drying. Uh, do you have another method that you would recommend, maybe like freeze drying? Uh, thanks for the code. I got a PAX-3. Uh, it's my favorite toy right now for vaping fresh herbs. Uh, he's referring to the vapor.com code GBY, which gets you 15% off over at vapor.com. But uh, what would you say to Timmy? Yes, northeast Florida, very humid, outdoor grow avoiding bud rot i would say you want to go with uh indica strains uh and you probably want to go with some pretty basic easy to grow strains i think durban poison uh blue dream even though it's not like really an indica uh blue cheese uh gorilla glue um particularly if they're an autoflower like 
you know, think about beating the season. If it's humid at a certain time of year, um, think about autoflowering seeds. And uh, actually, Crop King has a lot of these. They're out of Canada, and they've got a decent uh, selection of autos as well, including uh, Early Miss, which finishes very quickly, um, Dwarf Low Flyer. Um, these are all very quick strains. They have an Amnesia Haze autoflower. So, you know, you just don't want plants that are super dense um, and too uh, kind of thick and collecting moisture within the flowers. So um, you'd be doing good with uh, that Amnesia Haze autoflower, uh, Sour Girl autoflower, or even White Widow autoflower from uh, Crop King Seeds. Um, which you can get at rocketseeds.com. And again, just, you know, even Google best outdoor strains for your region, and you'll find a lot of really good suggestions. And just consider that um, what's, what's humid in the spring may not be humid in the summer or in the fall or vice versa. So, you know, just be aware of what your your uh, climate is like throughout the year and purchase accordingly. All right, there you go. Uh, thank you, Timmy. Let's move on to Maxwell, who wrote, who wrote us on Facebook. Uh, he says he's a new subscriber. And uh, I live in Arizona, which just passed Prop 207, legalizing recreational cannabis. Yes, congratulations, Arizona. Yes, congratulations, Arizona. That's awesome. Yes. Uh, anyway, Maxwell continues, uh, after listening to your podcast, I'm inspired to grow bud myself. How would an aspiring grower go about starting a grow with the goal of providing new recreational dispensaries with quality bud? Uh, any tips on how to get into uh, becoming a legal cultivator for dispensaries while adhering to the legal aspects would be greatly appreciated. Uh, thanks again for inspiring me to grow. You guys are the best. So uh, what would you say to Maxwell? He uh, would like to just jump right in, get started selling uh, good cannabis to new legal dispensaries. Yes, uh, Maxwell, I'm, yeah, it's amazing that you want to get in the biz, and I think it's very exciting, but you have to also consider that um, these big rec recreational dispensaries that are going to be uh, starting up are, are going to be growing on, on a huge scale, and they're going to need help, but you're not going to be really the main head grower right off the bat, especially because you're just getting started. So as far as growing for dispensaries, you really just want to get your foot in the door. When they are open and, and start hiring, uh, you want to maybe become a trimmer or work in the grow department as a you know, cultivation specialist, help the, out the main, main grower, help out the people, uh, work as someone that learns from the bottom up because you can grow at home and you know that's fine and you're going to get a great product. But as far as working it for uh, dispensaries, the scale upon which you're growing, you need to really get good at, you know, the cultivation aspect on a small level and then work your way up to those larger levels. So um, I would say, you know, keep an eye out for jobs at those dispensaries, even if it's trimming or sweeping the floor or anything else, get your foot in the door and then work your way up uh, because you're going to learn a lot along the way. And those are the things that are going to make you a great cultivator. That's if you want to grow for a dispensary. Now, if Arizona is going to allow home grow, my recommendation is get yourself a tent and a light or a grow box 
and grow your own for yourself and never mind the dispensaries because ultimately you're going to get a better product if you do it for yourself. But if you're interested in growing for dispensaries, I would say, you know, get your foot in the door uh, and learn everything you can learn about cultivation, about everything you can about the cannabis plant, basically. So that would be my advice. My, you know, first advice would be, you know, consider growing for yourself before growing for profit, you know, and selling that bud to a dispensary or working for a dispensary grow. Uh, and then take it from there. You know, as you learn to get better, you can uh, take your skills and translate them into a career. All right. So uh, thank you, Maxwell. We hope that uh, helps answer your question. And thank you for listening. Please continue to do so. Uh, let's do one more email here. Uh, it is Ira G who writes, hey, gents, uh, thanks as always for the show. Also, the email is great. Uh, he's referring to our new newsletter, which just started out uh, the other day. Yes. And how do people sign up for our newsletter, Mike? Uh, the easiest way is to go to our website, growbudyourself.com, and there's a little form there. You just enter your email address, and uh, and there you go. Yes, indeed. And also, it might come to your spam folder or your promotions folder. Just pull it out of there into your primary folder, and uh, then that way you'll get it in your main email. All right, so uh, Ira continues. It's good to have access to the show uh, in readable form. I am a veteran with PTSD, and I have a brain injury, so my short-term memory is shit. So, uh, Ira has two questions. I have been growing regular seeds, and the males have shown pre-flower way sooner than the females. Is this normal? The genetics are from a virtually unknown breeder who works with uh, seeds for veterans, so it might just be poor genetics. Could this be an autoflower trait? One went full into flower on an 816 cycle. The rest began to flower as soon as I flipped to 1212. Uh, the females are still not in flower yet, but showing more pre-flowers. They're in day 10 of flower. So what would you say to that? Yes. Well, first I would say thank you for your service, Ira. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, uh, it does seem weird that the male would show pre-flowers far sooner than the females. And that could be an autoflower trait, especially because you're saying that this happened during veg. So typically there are sometimes pre-flowers during veg, uh, especially as the plant matures. But, uh, if one went full into flower on 18.6, that sounds like autoflower trait for sure. And you mentioned that the others only went into flower once you flipped into 12.12. So it sounds to me like maybe you, you got a, a batch of seeds with uh, some auto males mixed in possibly. But uh, I would say just discard the males as they occur. Keep the females, uh, especially the ones that are in 12.12. And keep an eye on them for uh, hermy traits. Because, again, you're saying that, you know, there's a possibility there's poor genetics involved. So keep an eye on them and uh, you should be fine. Just get rid of the males that show any pre-flowers early or late. Um, typically, males also stretch a little taller than females because they want to drop pollen. So that's a good sign, too. Okay. And, uh, and let's just do the second question that Ira has here. He writes, uh, my second question is way simpler. Uh, I have a few cush plants. Uh, when is it okay to take clones? They're in week three of veg right now and seem pretty big to me, but this is my first grow, and from listening to you guys, 
I think they might not be as big as they should be by now. Maybe this is a genetic issue also. Uh, anyhow, a huge thanks to you guys. You've taught me how to grow my own medicine and have been a huge inspiration to me. I'm forever grateful. So uh, what would you say to Ira? Right. Well, thanks for the kind words, and uh, we're here to help. So that's awesome, and we truly appreciate it, and it's wonderful to hear. Uh, as for when to take clones, I think after a plant is at a certain height, meaning there's at least three sets of leaves and nodes, uh, you can at that point start taking clones. Although I would say let it get a little bigger. I mean, you could take one clone at that point, just the top. But if you have more branches available, you know, the more branches available, the better, especially depending on how many clones you need to take. If you need, you know, five or 10 clones off of one plant, it has to be a much larger plant uh, and veg for a little while longer. But as long as it's in veg, the good news is you can take clones of a vegging plant uh, at any time, really. It's when it starts flowering that it becomes iffy. So if you're taking a clone of a flowering plant, then you have to take the clone, root the clone, and somehow convince that plant to go back into veg. And believe me, I've done this, and it's a super pain in the ass, and you just want to avoid it. So as long as your plant is in the vegetative stage, you can take clones of it. And as long as it's you know, healthy growth, and it's over, let's say, three weeks to a month old, it's got you know, a few sets of branches and leaves and let's say at least three to four different uh, branches where nodes are coming out of the main stem, you can take a top of that plant and you can get one clone or maybe a couple of clones off of that plant. But once you take one little top or do any kind of topping, you know, technique to the plant, um, once you get more branches from it, you'll be able to get a lot more clones from it. And I would recommend potentially just waiting, letting that veg plant veg out more so that you have more cloning sites, depending on how many clones ultimately you're going to need. But again, the healthier the plant, the stronger the clones are going to be. And the older the plant, in many cases, not older, but when you're talking in, in terms of two weeks to a month or two months, the ones that are in the month to two month range are going to provide more clones and those clones will end up being healthier than if you take it when it's three weeks old. All right. Uh, thank you to Ira G. We appreciate the question. Thanks to everybody who wrote in. And uh, if you are listening and you have a question that you would like answered on the show, please do get in touch with us. Uh, the email is info at growbudyourself.com. The website is growbudyourself.com. Uh, so definitely uh, take the time to write us. We'll answer your question. What do you say we take a little break, come back, wrap it up? Let's do that. We want to thank you guys for listening. This episode of Grow Bud Yourself is sponsored by Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F Plant Nutrients. Uh, the folks at Sweet Leaf have just released a new organic fertilizer line called Sweet Leaf Organic, complete with six bottles of liquid plant amendments and two bottles of dry crumble and powdered fertilizer. So please go check out Sweet Leaf. That's S U I T E L E A F plant nutrients at www.sweetleaf.com and use code DANKO15 for 15% off your entire order. Thank you, Sweetleaf. Uh, we're so happy to have you as a sponsor again, and the new product line is amazing. Don't forget to check them out. Sweetleaf.com, 
DENKO15 for 15% off. All right, Mike, I think this is the wrap. Yeah, man, we're in the wrap. We're going to wrap it up. Time to wrap uh, it up. Episode 33 has been a doozy. I uh, want to thank uh, John and Megan from Sweet Leaf Nutrients, DJ Jacques and Winstrong, of course, as always. Excelsior Extracts, uh, always awesome having them on board as a sponsor. Their incredible pain rub. Check them out on Instagram, Excelsior Extracts. Uh, Diamond Cut Co., incredible trimming scissors for connoisseurs, aficionados. And uh, Vapor.com, don't forget. Code GBY gets you uh, 15% off in vapor.com. So, yeah, exciting. And 15% off at Sweetleaf, 20% off at Diamond Cutco. Uh, great deals from our sponsors. And uh, yeah, vapor.com is the GBY code uh, for 15% off. And uh, I think that's the wrap. We put this one in the books, episode number 33, Larry Bird, Swish.